welcome to Extra Innings, a Phillies podcast by the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm Matt Breen, and I'm joined here in Clearwater, Florida today by Scott Lauber. We have Bob Brookover on the line, and we'll talk, of course, today about Bryce Harper, but we'll also get into some other topics. Nick Williams, Jake Arrieta in the starting rotation, how the Phillies are dealing with the injuries that seem to be ravaging camp right now, and 88.5, over or under, we'll make our pick for total wins this season for the Phillies. And before we get started, if you have time, leave us a rating if you're listening on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter, Extra Innings, at philly.com slash newsletters. The newsletter is in your inbox three days a week during spring training and then five days a week once the season starts. Bob, Scott, we're back. Bryce Harper is still a Philadelphia Philly. I think it was something that was almost hard to believe a week ago today that it would happen, but it did. And uh, now we're kind of reacting to the, the buzz of Bryce Harper. To, to me, I was you knew it was going to be a big deal, but I don't know if anybody, even the Phillies, expected it to be this big of a deal. Jersey sales, according to Fanatics, is the hottest jersey sale or hottest jersey launch after 24 hours in their history, which is pretty impressive to think about. LeBron James signed with the Lakers last year, so it even outsold LeBron James to the Lakers. Um, ticket sales th- through the roof, both in Philly and here in Clearwater for spring training. Uh, I just, I knew the reaction. I think is because of just how not just because of Bryce Harper, but how bad the Phillies have been for the last five years. I started covering the Phillies in 2015. I was thinking about this this morning, and the big acquisition was Chad Billingsley, maybe? Yeah, I, I was like, there, you know, there was just nothing to write about. You go through 15, 16, 17, 18, it was like, you know, there was just no buzz about the Phillies, and now it went from zero to 120. I would say 60, but it's even more than that. And, Bob, with the reaction... Did it did it out, ex, out exceed your expectations? The re, the reaction for Bryce Harper. Well, well, first of all, I started covering the Phillies in 1988, and the big addition was David Palmer. So I'll see your Chad Billings and give you a David Palmer. Although David Palmer once did fall face first into third base, and that was that was fun to watch. Bob, I I pride myself on Phillies history, and I've never heard of David Palmer. So thanks. So Google it one day, and you'll see it. And I'm sure you go Google David Palmer falling face first into third base. And it'll be it'll be a fun video to watch. It'll be like watching one of those silly cat videos. Trust me, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, no, am I, am I surprised? Yeah, I'm surprised that there's been so many sales and that it could exceed LeBron James. I'm definitely surprised by that because I didn't think anything anything surpassed the king in in our entire sports world. And for that to happen, yeah, I'm shocked by that. I'm a little disappointed we, that we didn't sell extra innings jerseys with the number three on the back of them. Um, because those extra inning shirts should be selling better than they are. Um, but, you know, he's obviously, I mean, if you go back and, again, look at guys who are marketable in, this, in the game of baseball, especially in this day and age, there aren't very many of them. But Bryce Harper's at the top of that list probably. I mean, he, even more so than Mike Trout, just because he's, a, he's, he's just a figure that since he was 16 years old, as he talked about at his news conference, um, has been this guy that everybody, you know, focuses on. And when you see Sports Center, it goes to Bryce Harper. So I'm not stunned that the sales have been so great, just that they've exceeded LeBron James. And it, you know, it's it's such a cool thing for the Phillies um, because I mean, let's face it, since you've been on the beat, Matt, Matt, this has been one dull team. It has. It definitely has. And Scott, you cover the Phillies in '08, um, covered the Red Sox two World Series, right? 
what how just for you personally is it more enjoyable to cover a team when it's not necessarily winning but just more interesting yeah yeah more interesting is is the key and i spent you know i spent the good years here right 08 no no 07 08 09 and then i went to boston and had you know teams that won uh covered a team that won the world series in 2013 but I also covered tons of dysfunction, like Bobby Valentine in 2012 and Beer and Chicken the year before. And so interesting is really the key. And the Phillies have not been interesting in a long time. You talked about Chad Billingsley in 2015 and having to cover sort of these lean years. You know, I was thinking about this the other day. Bryce Harper broke in in 2012. The Phillies haven't been in the playoffs since 2011. And so the sales job that the Phillies had to do to get Bryce Harper to even imagine in his mind what Philadelphia is like when the Phillies are good, um, it, it was quite a sales job because he's used to coming in there nine or ten times a season and just kicking their butt. And he's done that really his whole career. So, you know, Jason Worth can tell him all he wants about the parade and the Hulk fist and all the other things, but... I, Bryce Harper's never come to Philadelphia and seen the Phillies when they're good. He doesn't comprehend what the sellout streak was like or, you know, any of that. Uh, and that tells you how bad they've been for, for and how long they've been that bad. It's seven years since they've been in the playoffs. And, and uh, you know, so, I mean, you know, it just it's the combination of his star power and I think Gabe Kapler the other day referred to him as the biggest star in the game. He's not the best player in the game. I don't think anyone would would confuse him with being the best player in the game, but he certainly might be the biggest star in the game. It's the combination of that and also just how bad the Phillies have been for so long that you've got those two forces coming together and it's it's Bryce Fest and it's huge and it's enormous, bigger than any of us I think even imagined it would be. You know, you know, Scott, the funny thing you mentioned in Jason Worth is the one thing I think about is Jason Worth, and obviously he wasn't the same level of star as Bryce Harper is, but he had to take that similar leap of faith to leave the Phillies and go to the to the Nationals. I mean, it, the Nationals, and like the Phillies, offered the most money, and that always helps. But, you know, when, when Jason Worth went to the Nationals, people laughed. It's like, well, you're going to the Nationals. What are you doing that for, you know? And, and Cliff Lee had just come back, just signed back here as a free agent. And, you know, the, the, the Phillies, in the minds of Phillies fans, were going to be uh, good forever, you know. And there's a classic uh, video, cartoon video, animated video of, of uh, Cliff Lee talking to, to Jason Worth after he signed and uh, asking him if he's high, you know. Uh, I, yeah, I must have been. You know, and but he took that leap of faith and felt like, hey, you know what? I, I see a team going in the right direction. I have to think that that Bryce Harper solved some of that last year, and and the Nationals the year before Harper went there, or the year after Harper went there, kind of got decent, you know, and and then took off, um, not to the expectations they wanted to, but I, I think maybe Bryce saw some of what Jason Worth saw in the Nationals and the Phillies eight years ago. I think the last time the Phillies were nationally relevant was when, before before this this month was when Cole Hamels hit Bryce Harper in 2012. Yeah. So it was like, Cole Hamels hits Bryce Harper, Bryce Harper steals home, Bryce Harper goes one direction, the Phillies go the other, and then now in this weird 
thing. Seven years later, they come back together, Bryce Harper and the Phillies, and they're both nationally relevant. It's It's been a long time. And, and anyway, we will see Bryce Harper likely. Gabe Kapler said on Sunday for the first time Saturday. this Saturday – We'll see. He'll be the designated hitter against the Blue Jays in Clearwater at Spectrum Field. The game will be televised back home. Scott, you talked to Gabe Sunday in Fort Myers. I did not make the two-and-a-half-hour trip. Thank you for going. Um, what what did Gabe have to say about Gabe's – I mean, about Harper playing Saturday? I, I only went because there's a great Mexican restaurant there that I that I wouldn't have otherwise gotten to. Otherwise, you you know, we, we I would have nominated you to, to take that trip. But um, – so thank you to Cantina Laredo in Fort Myers. But a- anyway, um, you know, no, I mean, it's Gabe Kapler's had an interesting couple of days, right? Because this thing goes down and then they hit the road for the weekend. They were in Port Charlotte on Saturday when Bryce Harper was getting introduced in Clearwater. They were in Fort Myers yesterday when Bryce Harper was going through his first workout in Clearwater. And so I, I sort of got the impression that Gabe hasn't had a ton of a chance to sit down with Harper, at least face-to-face, and talk through what the next few weeks are going to be like. So I was a little bit surprised that he had Saturday so definitively circled on the calendar as the day that that Harper would make his first spring training appearance in a game. Um, But it kind of makes some sense. Uh, It gives him about a week to kind of get himself ramped up. Uh, And it's a home game. Uh, It's an opportunity to... uh, to get some at bats as a DH in a game, and I and I think that you know they're going to be working pretty closely with Harper over the next few weeks to figure out what he needs, how much he needs, how much time he needs to be ready. And I was looking back at it today, and um, over the course of the last six years, uh, thir- twenty thirteen through last year, he's averaged I think about fifty at bats in spring training. There were some years he was a little under, some years he was a little over. Um, there's no magic formula for how many at-bats you need. A lot of hitters will tell you they go on their, how they feel. I covered the Red Sox one year where David Ortiz got no spring training at-bats, zero, in 2013. He played in over 150 games that year. He hit 300. He hit 35 home runs. Went to the World Series and was the World Series MVP. Um, so there's really not a whole lot of correlation between a number of at-bats and a guy getting ready for the season. But, you know, I think I took a look at it, and I think starting Saturday they'll, they'll have 17 games left in spring training. If he played in even 10 of those, you know, you could see him somewhere between 30 and 40 at-bats. Late in spring training, they do tend to get four at-bats a game. Uh, and that's not that far off from what a normal spring would be for Bryce Harper. So all things considered, you know, they get him into a game on Saturday, they go from there, and it seems like it's going to be enough time for him to feel like he's ready and, and swinging the bat the way he wants to be on March 28th. Bob, Bryce Harper is going to be the DH. He's going to, he's going to be the DH on Saturday, which we know is not a National League position, but it could be a National League position sometime in this frame of 13-year contract. How much do you think the fact that they could play Harper the DH gave the Phillies confidence that he might actually be able to fulfill all 13 years of this contract and play till he's 39? I, I can't imagine it had played too much into it, but, you know, it it, it, could, it it was like chicken soup. It couldn't hurt. You know, now it, it seems almost like a foregone conclusion that in the next four or five years that we're going to see the, the DH in the National League. I know you know the union wants it because it creates more jobs in the big leagues. Uh, you know, you're talking about adding another pitch or two. They're all in favor of having a bigger – bigger big league roster uh 
So, you know, it it, it might have been in the deep recesses of their mind, hey, this would be great for us if we can get him into his mid-30s just going to the plate and being a threat with the bat, Um, you know, and and maybe even in his early 30s, giving him a day off from the field every once in a while. Uh, But, you know, right now Bryce Harper is a right fielder. Uh, You know, I'm actually I'm glad you brought that up because I'm eager to see – I never thought he was a butcher in the field. You know, it's different when you watch somebody every day. Um, And I'm eager to see what he looks like in the field this season because I'm guessing – he just seems determined to have have a big year. He finished last year really strong after an abysmal first half. Uh, and I just think, you know, there might be a refocus with him in a new city, uh, the stress of where he's going to be the rest of his life gone. I, I really think he, we could see a, a different – the best Bryce Harper we've ever seen because of, because of those things. And I think that could also translate to the way he plays in right field. So – it seemed like the Bryce Harper signing was a reaction to the Phillies after they lost Roman Quinn and Odubel Herrera, right? That was, that's how they, they saw those injuries and they said, all right, we have to sign this guy to a 13-year contract. Let's do it. But in all seriousness. Because you don't know if Roman's going to play 13 more years or not. You know, you're, or you don't know if he's going to play 13 games or not. And I, I don't want to take a shot at Roman because I, I think he's a great kid. He is. But the Phillies needed a push to sign him, and, and then that, I guess, was the push. But in all seriousness, Roman Quinn came into camp with a spot locked up on the big uh, major league roster for opening day. Odubo Herrera came in and, in the camp as the starting center fielder. Tommy Hunter came in the camp with a spot locked up. Cesar Hernandez came in the camp with you know as the starting second baseman. All four of those guys are injured, and it seems like there's a chance that at least one of those injuries could could prevent. That guy from coming on the opening day roster, I would think it's Roman Quinn with the oblique. We've seen. I remember Cody Ashey got a, a, a suffered an oblique injury in fifteen or sixteen, and he missed the entire spring training and then weeks, maybe the first two weeks of the of the open of the uh, re- regular season. So you could argue he missed the, he, he missed the rest of his career. <laughs> he did. He did. He ended up in AAA, and I haven't seen him since. But I would say Roman Quinn will not be on the opening day roster. How do how does that Scott affect? The, the makeup when you try to handicap the, the roster now? Who is – we know who your three outfielders are if if Herrera's healthy. So you have McCutcheon, Herrera, Bryce Harper, and then who's your fourth or fifth outfielder? Yeah, I, I lean toward uh, – between Herrera and Quinn, I lean toward Herrera being ready to go on day one and Quinn not, and only because of their, their histories. Um you know, unfortunately, Roman Quinn's had you know a slew of a slew of injuries. Some are nagging, uh, some were more serious, uh, but he's missed a lot of time. Say what you want about Odubel Herrera, but he's played 150 games a year for the last what three years, four three years. So um, he's a guy who tends to uh, either not get hurt or play through things. I, I they've said it's a minor thing, so. I'm going to assume he's going to be ready at this point. But, you know, it's interesting. Before I had my great dinner last night in Fort Myers, I... Uh, Wait, what was the name of that restaurant again? Uh, Cantina Laredo. Check it out, Bob, next time you're in Fort Myers. It's on Daniels Parkway. Make okay. Sure you gave uh, it <laughs> so, um, you know, I was... Before that, I was talking to Nick Williams for a while. And, and Nick had a bus to catch, or I would have invited him to, would have invited him to dinner. And... and, and uh, and we were talking about the impact of Bryce Harper on on him. You know, I mean, Nick Williams stands to lose the most at-bats of anybody in that room because Bryce Harper's here. 
And, you know, he said the standard, you know, I'm, I'm not really worried about it. Uh, I'm going to do whatever they tell me to do, yada, yada, yada. And then I start writing and I was thinking about it and I was like, well, if, you know, if, if Oduble's not ready and if we go into the assumption that Quinn is not ready, I mean, it's conceivable that maybe Andrew McCutcheon is your opening day center fielder and Nick Williams is in left field and Bryce Harper's in right field. And, you know, to be honest, if Odubel Herrera, even if he is healthy, doesn't start the season hot, you know, if he struggles like he did the second half of last year, you know, you could see that configuration anyway. So, uh, you know, I think it's it's really going to be interesting to watch what happens in center field. Gabe Kapler, you know, left that door open when camp started and said, well, there are at-bats to be won in center field. And I, I certainly know that I kind of like was like, okay, sure, but Herrera is going to be your center fielder. He's the incumbent. He's a left-handed hitter. Well, Nick Williams is also a left-handed hitter. And there was a time last year where he was swinging the bat really, really well. Um, you know, So I don't, I don't know that we can assume that Herrera is going to be sort of the de facto guy out there. I think that you know, it's conceivable that Nick Williams plays his way into the outfield anyway, even though it, right now it doesn't look like he has a spot. You know, Harper can play center field too. He's done that in the past as well. So they do have a little bit of flexibility and maneuverability out there. And I I do think that they're going to let that third spot in the outfield be determined by whoever's swinging the best bat, whether that's Herrera, Quinn, Williams, Aaron Altair. You know, it's not, it's not crazy to think he could play his way, way into the picture at some point. Um, I do think that there's going to be some competition for whoever gets that the majority of the at-bats in the other spot in the outfield. I think you have to look at it from a defensive configuration, too. I mean, if you want to, say, bring both offense and defense into it, I still think the Phillies' best team is McCutcheon in left, Odubel in center, and, and Harper in right from an offensive and defensive standpoint. Uh, and, and sometimes – I play with the idea of maybe the best one is because everything I was told was McCutcheon was unbelievable in right field last year in San Francisco, where if it's not the toughest right field in baseball, it's certainly among the top five to play uh, because the elements and just the goofy configuration of that park. Um, and sometimes I think maybe McCutcheon in right and Harper in left is better with a doable. Uh, you know, the one thing we know, Nick, the one guy who really can play center is Nick. Um but I still think Nick Williams is a, a key part of this team because of his left-handed power off the bench. Uh, you know, they're going to need that on a nightly basis in a game where starting pitchers go six innings. They're going to—he's going to get at least that one at bat every night, and he's going to get in the lineup, you know, once or twice a week because that's just the way Gabe likes to do things. I think anyway, and you know, so and whoever, whether it's McCutcheon or. Um, Harper going to center for that one day. Uh, I, I would be inclined to think it's more McCutcheon, but you're still going to see Nick Williams in that mix. I, you know, I'm hoping for Roman Quinn's sake that his injury is not too serious and he can get to play too because he he just gives this team a a, uh, a, a cog or, or a, a talent that they don't really have in other any other places where he can run the bases. And he's the, to me, he's the best of the center fielders. He can run. He can run down balls in left field and right field because uh, he's so fast. And I, I'd love to see that speed element on this team. So I'm, I'm hoping from his standpoint that his injury doesn't linger because if you have Williams and Quinn on your bench, I think you got it. And then you add Kingery in the infield. 
I think that's a terrific bench. I really do. Uh, you know, as good as three guys as, as you'll find in the game. I agree. I think, especially if you're in win mode, like Gabe Kapler said, win now mode. I, I and there's a lot of talk about do you trade Nick Williams now? I, I think Nick Williams, his value on this 2019 Phillies outweighs whatever return you're going to get from him in a trade, just because of how good of a pinch hitter he was last year. He was excellent when he was not in the lineup. For in was it May and June, he was excellent as a pinch hitter, and I think that outweighs whatever um, return they can get. They need a bat off the bench, and I think he he would be that that bat. Someone else made their debut Sunday. Jake Arrieta started for the Phillies down in Fort Myers. He he told you Scott that he changed his arm slot. He worked with a was it three quarters last year, and or he went back. He went back to he's going back to three quarters that he didn't have last year. And what kind of impact does he expect that that for him to be? Yeah, I mean, you know, let's let's say we're 20 minutes into this and we've talked about everything but pitching. And starting pitching to me is going to be the biggest question mark that we have about the Phillies as they go into the season. It's the one area of the team that they didn't touch, that they didn't uh, add to or improve upon, and uh, they're they're banking on. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll focus a lot on Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez and Zach Eflin because they're the three least proven pitchers in the rotation and all of that. But for me, Jake Arrieta is as big a thing as anything else in that rotation because he was really good. Uh, what was it in May last year? He was really good in July last year. Uh, otherwise, it wasn't the Jake Arrieta that the Phillies uh, needed or expected when they signed him. He really struggled in, in June. Uh, and then, of course, down the stretch, I mean, again, we focused on those three guys, but Jake Arrieta lost the game in Atlanta where the Braves clinched, and it was a two-inning appearance, and it was, quite frankly, just a total dud. And now that we look back at the season, and the more you talk to Jake Arrieta, the more he points to the fact that he had a knee injury last year that he decided to have surgery on in, um, in January, an injury that nobody, including Gabe Kapler, knew about. Um, now he's talked yesterday. He, he mentioned to me about uh, the fact that somewhere along the line uh, last year uh, in spring training, he got away from the, the uh, three-quarter, uh, kind of high three-quarter arm slot that he threw with in Chicago in his best years there in 15 and 16. Just a bad habit that it was too difficult in season to try to make a fix of that magnitude. So... Uh, but he was aware of it, and he went into the offseason wanting to fix it. So there's a lot of things that Jake Arrieta is talking about health-wise, arm angle-wise, mechanics-wise, that he believes is going to make a difference this year. And the Phillies are, are really banking on it, on him making a difference uh, for them this year. Because if he doesn't, I'll tell you how Nick Williams helps the Phillies um, in other ways besides just a bat off the bench. You know, there's there are teams out there that would love to have a guy like that in their lineup. The Cleveland Indians are the favorite to win the AL Central, and Bob and Matt, I can't name their outfield, and I don't think you guys can either. I don't know who their three outfielders are, and that's a team that has eyes on making the playoffs. Nick Williams can help that team, and oh, by the way, that team's got pitching uh, that could help the Phillies. So it feels like, you know, Nick Williams could be packaged in a deal to a team like that and that would help the Phillies bring back a pitcher in return who could help their rotation if they feel like they need it uh, at the trade deadline or sooner. And and you know, Jay, if, but if Jake Arrieta is good 
And if he's the pitcher the Phillies thought they were getting and the, the pitcher that they had in, in May and July, then they're not going to need to make a trade like that. So to wrap this up, we are going to we, – last week we made bold choices of yes or no, will the, will the Phillies sign Bryce Harper? We were all right. We all said yes. So we're going to try it again. 88 and a half wins, I just checked today, is the over-under for the Phillies this season since they signed Bryce Harper. Yes or no? Is it over? Is it over under 85, 88, 88 and a half? And why? What is the most important thing to get the Phillies over or under 88 and a half? And for me, I'm going to take the bullpen. I think that we talk about the starting rotation being young or inexperienced or unknown. The Phillies chose to not invest in the starting rotation this year. They invested heavily in the bullpen, and I think that is going to be able to counteract if the if the rotation stumbles a little bit. You have such a deep bullpen and a manager that loves to use the, the bullpen, manipulate the bullpen as much as he can. And I think that can almost make up for the fact that it, or, or it covers up if, you know, the rotation isn't as good as, as it could as these guys. If they don't get hit their ceilings, you have a, a bullpen that can, that can mask that a little bit. So I'm going to hit over 88 and a half because I think to win the NL East, you're going to have to win 90 games. And I think the Phillies will win the East. So. It's for me. It's over eighty-eight and a half, Bob. Over under eighty-eight and a half, and why? I, I think they like you. I think they're going into the ninety-win uh, stratosphere. Uh, I'd be surprised if they didn't. Um, I, you know, I agree with you that the, the bullpen is a strength. Go go look back at the second great era, which is the Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins era, and and people forget because at the end of that era, it was all about the pitching. It was about the four aces. It was about the starting pitching. But that era started when that era started when they won the World Series and went one in '07. They were not a very good starting pitching, starting rotation team. Um, you know, when they won in '08, I think the starters ERA was 13th in baseball. It was like 4.23. But they outslugged teams. They, you know, they led the National League in home runs. They were tied for second in runs, um, and they had the best bullpen in the National League, and they had the best bullpen in the postseason. And this team is kind of built similar to that. Now, can they do it right away and achieve what the, that team achieved in their second year going to the postings? I, I don't know if they're there yet, but, you know, I always go back to what Charlie Manuel said, offense creates energy. Um, and it, it's really true. I mean, if you just watch a single baseball game and, you know, you always hear, well, your team didn't seem to have any life tonight. And, you know, the manager will always say, well, we didn't have anybody on base. So that's, usually a pretty good indication that there's not a lot of life because there's nothing really going on here when there's nobody on base. This team, if you look at the career on base averages of the guys that are going to be in the lineup, is going to have a lot of guys on base, and they're going to have a lot of energy. And I think that and the bullpen, as you, you said, Matt, is going to carry this team over over 90 wins and, and to a division title. Boy, you know, these odds makers are good because 88 and a half is a great number. I mean, (laughs) you know, a team that has the offense that the Phillies have or should have and then the questions about the rotation, like 88 is totally where you'd go with a team like that. Uh, I think they'll get over. And, Bob, your comparison's great. You know, I was sort of thinking about um, those teams, those 07, 08 uh, Phillies teams and and how offensive – how they were really built around their offense. And Matt, you were with Charlie Manuel yesterday. He must love this team. This is his kind of team, a team that's going to just slug its way to a division title. And I, I think, I do think that their lineup 
I think their lineup's the best in the National League, and I, I think that that's going to take them over 88 and a half. And I also think they're going to get the pitcher that they need, um, whether it's, you know, in July or, um, or, or even a little bit earlier. I mean, these deals now go down, you know, a little bit closer to the All-Star break than they do to, to July 31st. I think that they'll find the pitcher that they need. Um, you know, it goes back to what we've talked about this whole time with this whole Harper thing. I mean, they're, they, they've committed to winning this year. And so if they need to go out and get a starting pitcher in July, they'll do it. Um, you know, I could almost see it going a little bit uh, the opposite of last year where maybe, you know, they start off, at, you know, and they struggle a bit. Um, not to the degree that they struggled down the stretch last year or anything like that. That would be disaster for this group but you know maybe they start a little bit slowly and then they pick it up as they go along um but yeah I think ultimately at the end of it they get over 88 and a half they win the the division and there's no doubt that it's going to take 90 plus to win the division the Braves won it with 90 last year and the division is so much better now so I would say over 88 and a half closer to like 92 ish 93 ish and and that really ought to do, that probably really ought to do it but, um, you know, I, again, I, I, think, I just think that they'll figure out the pitching as they go along, and their offense is going to take them a long way. All right, thanks for listening. Until next week, for Bob Brookover and Scott Lauber, I'm Matt Breen. Be sure to leave a review. Leave a five-star review, anything less. Don't waste your time. <laughs> and go to philly.com slash extra innings. We're more than just a newsletter. I mean, we're more than just a podcast. We're also a newsletter. Thanks for listening. Take care.